0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Wonky Cast. On this week's show, we're talking with the very lovely author, stand-up comedian, actor and all-round gentleman, Kit Cox. Uh, just before we get on to that though, just a quick shout-out for our new YouTube channel. If you've not seen that yet, go on over there, we'll put the link in the show notes for this one. Subscribe to the videos there, you'll get all of our podcasts when they come out and we'll be releasing special videos from all the conventions we go to and that kind of thing. So yes, go along there and subscribe. Until then, here's the interview with Kit Cox. Yeah, so I guess, yeah, we <laughs> yeah, here a very, very busy weekend at MCM Comic Con. How, how's your weekend been, sir?
1: Yeah, I think mean, I think just as busy, it's been, yeah, it's been packed, hasn't it?
0: Yeah, it really has been a busy weekend. I think uh, having the extra day on the Fridays.
1: The, the extra day and the fact that it's now in a hall that's so, so large that I've worked out there's a different weather system at the far end <laughs> than, the, than where we're sitting. So, like, people are going, where are you? Oh, we're in the cold zone, so, like, the temperate region, so, like, I think you're more towards the tundra. You need to come this oh dear, way. I think
0: you guys are kind of the seaside. You've got the pigeons. You've got all the birds We've got the, the pigeons. Oh, my end.
1: God, yeah, yeah. Our friendly <laughs> pigeons. It's quite funny. We try to feed them fudge, but apparently they don't take sweets from strangers. So, <laughs> um, so the fudge is now just laying on the floor. well brought up pigeons.
0: All <laughs> right cool okay so yeah I've, uh, i guess for the, for the uninitiated and people who haven't come across your books before could, could you just give a brief kind of introduction of, of your books and yourself
1: yeah certainly well I, obviously i'm kit cox um i write under the name kit cox and i also write under the name major jack union um i write books in al- in an alternate history which i call the union verse um where major jack union was one of the first monster hunters for queen victoria and um, it's the knock-on effect of uh, showing the actual history of the world, but um, that monsters exist in it, but being kept quiet by like secret government organizations. So yeah, so all my books tick that box. And Major Jack Union tends to pop up in a few of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, there's, there's a nice big guide that starts it all off. So it starts with Major Jack Union telling you that, uh, that monster hunting um, has fallen out of fashion and he's worried that so like people are, are stopping seeing monsters now. So he gives you a guide. So think of Max Brooks' zombie survival guide. Right, OK, yeah. Um, and all his hunting anecdotes come these beautiful so like short stories, which all include the authors that then go on to write the stories about jab and and werewolves, like from Victorian literature. It's a
0: term that I've got across, which is kind of retro-speculative fiction. So it's fitting in things that already exist within that different universe. That's it. I like that.
1: Retro-speculative fit. Yeah, retro fiction. speculative fiction. I it's, can't it's, say it, but I like yeah, it. It's, it's a turn off because
0: <laughs> I, I some of the stories I've written, I think, are very much like that. It's taking real historical events or uh, and then yeah. kind of giving them a slightly different...
1: It's really nice when you when you start looking at it. One of the things that, that got me into it was um, uh, I love history. So I think it's beautiful. I love language um, and I think um, uh, Tolkien was a big fan of language and history and things like that. And But it amazed me that how many people could tell me the history of Middle-earth, mm. uh, they could speak to me in Elvish, um, or at least write it, uh, and, and things like that. But you asked them to say something in French and they couldn't. Ask yeah. them when the First World War started and they had no idea. You think yeah, that's such a shame that we've got such a rich history and you can still make that fantastical mm. and teach people. and. and George MacDonald Frazier, who wrote the, uh, the Flashman books, um, they were great for me because they were a fantastic read, real rip-roaring read, a little bit sexy, um, but at the same time, this lovely, rich history, which really existed with real people. And I thought, well, I want to I tap into that. Uh, I don't want a fantasy world. I want the real world and make it a bit fantasy. So so like you, you realize that, hang on that. Maybe the Titanic wasn't sunk by an iceberg. Maybe the Titanic was sunk by a clumsy Godzilla. Who knows? So um, <laughs> a Kraken, the, a Kraken, yeah, the hit Titan, to, yeah, Titanic down by Kraken would have made better headlines.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. So, I mean, what, what, what sort of authors were? Was it that inspired you?
1: Very much. Um, I've I've always read uh, things like H.G. Uh, Wells. Um, mm. A real big influence for me. Um, I've enjoyed um, some of the books of Jules Verne. Not all of the books. Um, they're, they're quite political. I think if I was to list um, my top three books as influencing me, one of them would be Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, oh, yeah. um, probably one of the, the greatest works of literature ever. And that always upsets me that people who've never read the book, they uh, think they yeah. know the story. Uh, and even the uh, Kenneth Branagh version sort of like kind of goes off-piste towards Very the end, so. which, is a, which is a real shame because it's such a great story sort of like about revenge and, and death and horror. Mm. Um, so I really like Frankenstein. Um, War of the Worlds um, is just another classic sort of like, that I really enjoy. Again, something that people put down the Tom Cruise film, but the, the point of War of the Worlds was to say it was, a, it was a cautionary tale to England and the Empire saying, stop invading places, you wouldn't like it ha- if it happened to yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. So I think H.G. Wells would have been all over that film going, that's great, because it's probably telling America, stop invading places. Yeah. Um, so H.G. Wells, very, very influential because I like the fact that he could put subversive comments because people were kind of saying, "Oh yeah, but it's just like a little bit of science fiction. That's not, or science romance, as it was called then. It's no. not real." Um, so he could say some quite subversive things about governments and so sort of like uh, society. So I like that. And
0: hide it under the metaphor. Exactly, yeah. and
1: hide it under the metaphor of that. Um, but yeah, And George MacDonald Frazier. Um, I've read most of his books, all the Flashman books. Um, I've read Black Ajax. Um, he wrote a book about pirates long before Pirates of the Caribbean came out, mm. where he put definitely all the, the stereotypical pirates in one place. Quite a, a, quite a childish book for him but, um, in the way it's written, but still a very, very good read So like because he's just a good... He was well, when he was alive, a very good author. So mm. there you go. So yeah, they're all up there.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, some of them you yeah, v- have very similar, War uh, uh, of the Worlds and Frankenstein, and also uh, another favourite of mine is uh, Jekyll and Hyde, the original oh, Jekyll, Jekyll and Hyde. Hyde is
1: beautiful. Yeah. So the, it, it's one of those ones that because um, Hyde is a dwarf, mm. um because it's. The point is, is it's, it's not something bigger than him. It's part of him, and he gets rid of all his goodness. So, therefore, if you're getting rid of bits, you're going to be left with something smaller. Yeah. Um, but Hyde starts getting bigger throughout the books so it's because he's becoming more and more evil. The, even and as, more and more dominant as a yeah, personality. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so yeah. he's taking over. And I like the fact that he will only ever get to the size of, sort of like Jekyll. Um, but, yeah, yeah, that's a beautiful book. And Lovecraft.
0: Love, again Lovecraft has always um, been I, I, I'm a big tabletop gaming nerd of Cthulhu I, yeah. I, I absolutely love Cthulhu the whole mythos is fantastic Emma bought me the uh, the collected works for I think it was that five year wedding anniversary it was yeah. like my anniversary she buys me a massive book of Lovecraftian horror brilliant
1: a metaphor for marriage yeah <laughs> Yeah, no,
0: I, I love Lovecraft, I, I especially, I, I like the, the, the style of his writings. The yeah, it's almost
1: a reporting yeah. um, and uh, rather than writing. It's very easy to get sucked into Lovecraft on that whole basis of uh, um, you're not reading a story, you're, you're reading someone writing down facts about something that mm. happened, and you sometimes forget that you are reading a yeah. story and you're thinking... Wow, what, what's, what's what, what yeah. exactly going on? And there?
0: they're inevitably transcriptions of somebody who's in an asylum and is stark raving mad. And yeah. these, 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 these are the scribblings of him, all yeah, there, as, as dictated by the doctors and stuff. I, I love that. That's, but
1: one of those weird things, and so like this is always, it makes me very happy, is the fact that Lovecraft um, was like most authors. You can expect him to be this great, like... Um, Legend of a writer when he was alive, but so sort of he wasn 't even discovered until mm. after he died um, and you 're thinking this is so indicative of, of being a writer, so uh, why you 're there, and this is why conventions like this are great because you get to go out and see people, and as much as i 'm published and so sort of I have the, the might of a publishing house behind me there 's so many great independent authors mm, out there um, that get a voice because they can come to conventions mm. and, sort of, and, and and if, love, imagine if Lovecraft had had conventions. Um, <laughs> imagine oh, some of the
0: fun some of those authors would have had coming he, to these conventions. Yes, just oh, uh, having that kind of modern technology at their disposal to get their ideas across. Because you think about is. the Inklings. So, yeah, so yeah, like yeah, Lewis and, yeah. and Tolkien and all that. I love that with the, the, the Eagle and Child, because we live in, near Oxford, so we're oh, going right. there quite a lot. We used to go into the Eagle and Child every Sunday. Yeah, fantastic. And then we, we had the old bastards club who'd sit in there on Sunday. <laughs> to think of ourselves as revised versions of the Inklings, but I like that. You know, I like just that. The drunken wasters, the, the, the drinklings. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, absolutely. But uh, yeah, but imagine that if they had been conventions. I mean, if if just a few of them in a room with a few pints of real ale mm. could produce what they did, then imagine what could happen if they. Uh, yeah. Do you, do you
0: think that the, the the these kind of conventions, especially the the ones of this scale, do you, do you think they are they're currently veering a bit more away from what they originally intended, which is the com- the comics and the book side of things, very much, and and going more towards the kind of spectacle of the launch of films and launch of games and. and yeah, very like much.
1: That. Um, I I I'm starting to see conventions become more like markets. Mm. Um, and uh, it's almost like the. The comic book writers, artists, the authors, um, that they almost seem to be like the fringe festival yeah. to this big market. Um, now, when I used to come to them, when uh, yeah, we're going back many, many years now, but um, even Games Workshops conventions were in a one hall church type mm. of thing. Uh, everyone would be around games tables. Um, there would be uh, the comic book conventions. It was one room, probably uh, d- even a back room of a pub. Everyone would go in. There was just comic book writers there. There are a few of those conventions around, but most of them now seem to be. There's a lot of imports, or, like Japanese plushes, mm. like, things like that, um, which is fine. I was going to say, if people, if that's what people like. I was going to yeah. say, and you can't get it anywhere else. I think there's definitely a, a call for them, but they've gone away from what they were. Mm. And I think um, there is a danger of comic book artists becoming a fringe mm. um, and writers becoming a fringe to these big festivals.
0: I guess it's my thought, is, it, you know, is it working as a way of funneling people towards the creators of it or is it kind of segregating them out or is it, is it kind of pushing them to the background? Yeah, I, I, don't I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm, it is
1: it is difficult isn't it i mean yeah. so like one of
0: the one I mean you of get the, the increased amount of people but do they do they engage Yeah with
1: there's you? there's um you need to just go and talk to so like some some of the uh, the guys on the stands everybody has like a an, Im, an impression of uh, of the people that come over because we've got how many people here like 75 well wow, there's
0: 140,000 people over this weekend
1: 140,000 people all going past so right like now most out of those hundred and forty thousand, most of them don't know who you are. I mean, I'm here as a guest, so I've like, been invited. I'm I'm on the program as a guest, but yeah, I, I'm not someone punching, so I like, um, punching Thor in the face on a big film. <laughs> so like, I've I i i am not a film star or anything like that. So um, the amount of people that just come up to me and they go and you are and, and, and <laughs> is, you, is that
0: really what people say yeah, when you first come and, up?
1: and you feel like, so like not everybody but so like you, you oh. find yourself justifying your Justi- existence oh, all Lord. day long um, and then my favourite one is when you say oh well I, I am the author of these books and then you get the great line of oh I'm an author and you can like brilliant <laughs> what do you do oh, I've, I've not published anything you say oh that's that's brilliant. So basically, what shopping lists and things yeah. like. That. I, I I loved your one about so sort of like a must get so sort of like rice pudding. Yeah. That was that was my favourite. I mean, Running need to out drop, of socks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, to yeah need to drop <laughs> trousers off at the uh, dry cleaners. That was my favourite.
0: But oh, <laughs> you say about film, work, but you, you have been involved in some film work. Right? I You're have as well. Yeah, I like, have. I yeah. heard yeah. tell of this um, with, with uh, <laughs> Mister Seager.
1: Yes, yeah, so I was going to say the um, yeah Julian Lee Seager. Um, who is now going on and being in things like Guardians of the Galaxy, was a supporting actor in a film where I was the star. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I used to act. Um, and uh, if you've seen things, uh, like a lot of... Uh, the, if you watch the History Channel or the Discovery Channel, when they do these reenactment things, I was generally one of those people that came and appeared sort of like in the background. I would be the butler um, or sort of like the investor in some sort of railroad or something uh, because of my look. Um, and uh, they didn't have to put a stick a fake moustache on me because <laughs> I already have the moustache. And I, I apparently look, well, I don't apparently. If you look up a picture of Rorschach, not the guy with the wiggly face, but the actual guy that came up with the block test. I'm a spitting image of him, all right, so, okay. so I'm holding out for the day that someone makes a film about Rorschach and <laughs> so like, um, I, can, I can play him. But I did all that and, um, and I was a stand-up comic, um, so I did the stand-up comedy circuit and a horror film was being made and the director decided that he wanted unknown people because he wanted it to be like a documentary. It's not a found footage thing, it's an actual documentary, the film crew survive at the end. Mm. So, um, and uh, so he wanted comedians because he said they had better timing when it came to like putting arguments across and things mm. so it came across better on screen so yeah i was uh, uh, i'm the lead in a film called Torn, um which is about um, a werewolf attack um, or the devonshire devil as it's called okay. in the film. and uh, it's a great film i was going to say it's done it's done the horror circuit it's got some fantastic reviews um and uh yeah. So if anybody out there wants to, yeah, <laughs> hire me to play Rorschach or um, or anybody else, cool. um, I am available.
0: Uh, you touch on the on the stand of comedy there. Is that is that something you still you still do or is that something that has gone yeah? To I the mean, wayside, so I,
1: it's fallen by the wayside. I think um, comedy is very much uh, it takes up your time mm. um, and people don't realise how crafted comedy is yeah. to make something sound like a conversation, like. Th- Rifting off the audience when you've all done it, you've, you've had a conversation in the pub, someone said something to you, and then about half an hour later, you think, Oh, I should have I said should that, have said, yeah, it yeah, should yeah, have been yeah, really yeah. cutting. As a comedian, so like you sit down and you work out what could possibly be said to you in any situation, so you can work out. Um, how what would you say as a put down to that line it's almost so like you've
0: got a database of call and responses exactly that you
1: can draw from. so and it, it's really hard work, so even though you're on stage for maybe five ten minutes doing doing a set amongst loads of other comedians doing very similar material because mm. comedy is very much a it becomes quite fashionable the type of comedy
0: yeah I mean, what's what what type of was it observational comedy or yeah
1: I mean so like I would point out things like um I would point out. Uh, compare stuff that was silly. So I would say, for instance, um, Howard, <laughs> it's talking to sound particularly funny now. This is why I no longer do it, everybody. <laughs> um, but, um, I would say, um, uh, what, who are the biggest party animals in the world? And of course, everyone's trying to think of their mates that are big party animals. And I would say, well, two year olds. Cause you think about it, last time you went to um, a wedding, who was the first on the dance floor? Oh, Two, yeah. Two-year-olds. Yeah. Uh, who were the last off the dance floor? Two-year-olds. Yeah. So do you, they have the, like that that post-party hangover the next day? So like right, the, the hangover from the sugar rush the night before, waking up going, oh, seeing the tiger face paint smeared <laughs> smeared across the pillow, going. Did I call Auntie Marjorie a poopy head? Oh, that's going to be difficult come Christmas.
0: Friction burns on the leg from the power slides. That's it.
1: Oh, the the cuddly toy you went to bed with. So, like last night you thought it was a fox, but in the morning it's definitely a pig. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Nice, yeah, that toddler's what did I do the night before? Oh, cool, cool. Uh, Okay, so just to kind of go back, so your, the the, the setting of your novels, I mean, would you say, would you describe it as steampunk?
1: See, this is a weird thing. I think um, there's a a classic line that's been said just recently, which is steampunk is what steampunks do. Mm. So, um, and I'm quite clearly a steampunk. I mean, um, not in the fact that I go out and I wear um, ray guns or or time machines or anything like that, but I love all that. And I I love dressing up. So I do, so I, but generally... Throughout my life I've, I've got the tash, I wear waistcoats, so like tweed, but I've always worn that. So I think mm. Steampunk m- more adopted me because it was a great way of finding um, like-minded people. It was great to have a title for us all mm. to rally under. Um, and I think my books, because they are monsters, so they are set, a, a big chunk of them I say in the Victorian era, um, that's, yeah. Th- yeah, steampunks are what steampunks do. Hmm. So, so like as was, as was coined. So, yeah, they they are steampunk books, but at the same time. They're also not.
0: Yeah, I I guess certainly for me, I I, I kind of agree with what you're saying that I've kind of found myself falling into Steampunk because it fits what I do, what I wear and what I think. Yeah. Do you you think that's the same for everybody that they kind of, that people come into it because they are like-minded or do people, or do you think there are factions within it that have the kind of, you know, that like the cogs and the shinies and the brass? Yeah, I
1: think there are definitely factions within it. I think, which is why it's so difficult to pin down mm. what it is um, because you've definitely got the people that came from, A kind of a that kind of goth Victorian background Mm. where they listen to like Cradle of Filth and stuff Mm. like that. But now, so they want their clothes a little bit more comfortable. Goths uh, discovered brown. Exactly, (laughs) sepia goths. And uh, I think it's yeah. I, I I like steampunk. I love the fact that there's a banner to rally under. I I hate the fact that there are so many rules that sort of like people try. I mean, it's all these things, isn't it? There's always going to be someone says, "Oh, but that's there's not always steampunk. politics
0: involved." Yeah, in something it, like these when it, it hits a certain level. That's it. If you want
1: it to be steampunk, it's steampunk. Yeah. I mean, so like there's been some fa- this. This weekend, I've seen some fantastic steampunk There's been superiors. some amazing cosplay. Yeah. yeah, I
0: got a picture of the, the DC steampunk superheroes. Yeah. That around. They there, was were a, there was a
1: Riddler walking around. So like, It was a gender cross, sort like Riddler anyway. But so, like, they had then also steampunked it up. So it was a girl as a Riddler in Victorian gear. It was amazing. Brilliant. Spot yeah, on. Absolutely But brilliant. cosplayers are just so genius. There's a, there's a Princess Leia Snow White. Walking around, yes, so, like, yeah, I saw
0: that. How the, cool the is it? The brass bikini,
1: the brass bikini. Look, it's all, it's all blue and blue yeah. and red, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, so, like The, yeah, the snow white yesterday. things, so, like, the, pre- the slave girl, snow white. That it's, was um, brilliant. Yeah, I noticed g- that one. Genius, yesterday. absolute genius. Cosplayers
0: and do come up with some excellent ideas, yes. just crossing together the most bizarre of things and coming up with something that's just oh wonderful. Just and, and I
1: think that's what steampunk does. So, mm. like, people have just taken to like that. Aesthetics of uh, the the Victorian era, the Edwardian era, um, and just and run with it, and you can do whatever you want. So like the sky's the limit. So yeah, it's like fair play to steampunks mm. everywhere.
0: So. I, I guess it's uh, one thing about a lot of these subcultures, and this is a conversation I've kind of had with a few people is. A lot of subcultures tend to start out with a musical movement and yeah. then progress and then the people associate. Music is the one thing that steampunk doesn't ever seem to have really settled on yet.
1: No, I th- and I think there's a, there's a great argument there, isn't there, because um, it's almost like steampunk, if you call a band a steampunk band or just like any band to put a, a top hat on, on one of the players, mm. then someone will go, oh that's a steampunk band and they'll start listening to them. It's a great way to sell albums because steampunks yeah. are looking the, for their musical yeah, voice. There is so no I'm definition,
0: right? I mean you, you've got people like you Got the chap hop side of things with yeah. the Professor Elementals and yeah, Mr. Yep. Bees of the world, then you've got the the steampunk of uh, the men that will not be blamed for nothing, yeah, 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 and then you've got stuff like Abney Park that's a completely different of take course, on it as well, yeah, yeah. So there's so many different ideas that you could approach it from that it, it just seems like that's that's the one one of the big things in steampunk that I think is yet to,
1: yeah, to yeah. explode. I think is the it's, musical it's stuff because I mean, by rights, if anything, it, if you're going to do Victorian, it should be. Because it's the music. Like harpsichords. It's and yeah, it, it should be harpsichords. Um, there was, um, there's two bands I really like, um, which call themselves steampunk. Uh, one is uh, Ghostfire. And when they first came out, I think they've changed a lot now. But when they first came out, they had a song with a harpsichord in it, hmm. which was really good. But ironically, it was the only song they had written before they became a steampunk <laughs> band. And the actual <laughs> song, if you listen to the lyrics, is about King Arthur and Camelot. <laughs> okay. um, but, but they changed it to the steampunk waltz, hmm. um, <laughs> and, um, and it's brilliant in, in that respect. But um, who's the other one? Um, Sunday Driver. Ah, um, yes,
0: we, I saw Sunday Driver. They were at the um, <coughs> steampunk at the Royal Observatory Day. They oh, played right, yeah. yeah, they were excellent.
1: They are very, very good. Because they've got sitars. Yeah. And, and, and when you consider that, yeah, the Victorian era was, we were embracing other cultures. They're, they're, they're perfect. Um, but you could say if it's about just how the band dress, then four non blondes would have mm. been a steampunk band. Yeah, which yeah, means you uh, how did it go? I'm going to wake in the morning yeah. and I'll step outside <laughs> and I'll take a deep breath. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's gonna, that should be our steampunk anthem. I get real high and I say to my top of my voice, What's going on? <laughs> Oh, they've built a bridge. <laughs> nice.
0: Okay, cool. Uh, so, wh- wh- what have we got to look forward to in the future, sir? Wh- what have you got coming out soon? Or? Well,
1: the, the, the Monster Hunter is out at the moment, which is a, a story about a, a young lad uh, called Benjamin Jackson Gould. And uh, he's a Sri Lankan lad, or S- uh, Ceylon as it's called in the books, because obviously it's before it was Sri Lanka. Um, and um, so he's a um, Ceylon lad. That's come over to England and has to live in an orphanage, and he finds the works of Major Jack Union, um, and realizes from reading sort of like this man's journal that his orphanage is under attack from monsters. Now that one's, that one's out and is already doing really well, uh, but it's a, it's a trilogy, so the second part will be coming out sort of like later on this year. It's a, it's already written, um, and it's it's about Benjamin finding more about himself and about his past because it's quite, like hidden in shadows. And in the second book, he goes up to Manchester uh, and fights genies in Manchester. Um, so like everyone goes, oh, so like that's that sounds a bit weird. So like, shouldn't he be in Saudi Arabia? No, Manchester. That's that's where the genies where all hang, genies hang out. Where all the genies <laughs> hang out. You should know that. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then the third part of that. But I have just written a, a book I'm really proud of, um, which uh, is set in the Cold War, um, and it's about a. The Cold War isn't just between. Um, Russia and America and England, it's uh, the the land which we kind of know as fairyland, but the, the classic traditional grim fairyland of like Celtic legend um, is actually in there in that Cold War as well. And when it moves over into their kingdom, a, a satyr, who is lecturing as an Oxford lecturer, has to come out of retirement. And it's mainly like, what if Michael Caine was a satyr um, and had to come out and do his Harry Palmer thing through Narnia?
0: Awesome!
1: <laughs> so, and that's called Morningwood because there's nothing like a subversive character <laughs> name. is it? Um, But yeah, so the satire is called Early Morningwood, but oh, like nice. the title is Morningwood. <laughs> but that, that should be coming out in a bit as well. But uh, And I, I hope to be doing... Um, because the thing with publishing, being published, your publishing houses only want to bring out a book a year, yeah. and unless you're like bringing out two a year, so it's quite slow for the fans. Because obviously, mm. everyone's reading speed is a lot faster. Yeah, than absolutely. That. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I asked um, my big fan base, so like, um, what would you like me to do? Some e-books. So I'm I'm starting writing a series of uh, e-books, um, which are going to be set. Um, On a distant planet, still in the same universe, Um, but it's about people that have been taken from war zones throughout history and dumped on a planet. Um, And so it's going to be an e-book series, which is probably going to have one of those come out once every four months Mm. or something. There'd be little novellas. Just to keep it ticking yeah. over for readers, and so like they'd be cheap things, so sort of like that. say real pulp fiction, yeah, um, and uh, that you can read on your Kindle. Penny Dreadfuls. Yeah, Penny Dreadfuls. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Electronic Penny Dreadfuls. Yeah. What can we call those? <laughs> e Penny Dreadfuls. E Penny Dreadfuls. <laughs> penny <laughs> Dreadfuls. Penny <laughs> Dreadfuls. Penny <laughs> I like it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you heard it here first. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Excellent. All right. Well, thank you very much for your time, Kit. I'll uh, let you get back to, back to the rest of the con. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you. It's a privilege being here. Thank <laughs> you.